Hello everybody and welcome to the Royal Blue Podcast. We are here in the Liverpool Echo offices. I am Matt Jones. Joining me, as ever, it's a new double act. It's me and Conor O'Neill again. Here to talk about the Blues. Uh, both a bit tired today. Uh, I was on the desk last night. You were there at Doncaster, mate. How are you feeling today? Tired. <laughs> <laughs> least, tired. Tired and relieved. At I least think, tomorrow uh, should be nice and quiet anyway. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, there's not, not a very... Not a transfer deadline day, does it? Um, well, sometimes it doesn't. <laughs> yeah, 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 quite quite literally yeah, a few months ago. Yeah. Tired and relieved, I think, is, is the, the, the overriding feeling today. A very late night followed by a very early morning start, especially as, we, as we'll touch on. I was down Sean Dyche's press conference earlier to preview yeah. Sheffield United and, and obviously, you know, a bit of an insight into where things stand transfer-wise at Everton. But yeah, I think relief more than anything last night that Everton did manage to get over the line after being, and we're going to come on to it, pretty woeful <laughs> for large parts of the, last night's game. Yeah, I mean, just thinking about it now, it's going to be flashbacks. Um, we will do Dyche, we will do deadline day and we'll do some Sheffield United as well to finish. But like you said, let's start off with Doncaster. Um, I'm going to ask you two questions, but I'll answer them myself as well, so I'm just putting you on the spot. The first one is, coming away from that game last night, do you feel better or worse about Everton's prospects for the season? I certainly didn't feel... I think both motions, really. I felt better in the sense of... I know I know it was only against League 2 opposition, their boss my League 2 and people, but better when Dan Juma looked like they showed a little bit of class and they got, you know, saintly elements to the game that Everton have been drastically missing mm. um, certainly for a large part of last season and, and, and this season so I think they were the positives that you know Beto got on the goal trail straight away Dan Juma obviously got his first goal but looked really you know energetic yeah. and, and lively you know was unlucky hit the bar with a, with a great effort from the edge of the box so I felt positive in, in that sense that what we'd seen from them too perhaps indicates that there could be a, bit of a, a brighter future in terms of going forward but we're still absolutely probably traumatised by what I witnessed for 40, <laughs> certainly 45 minutes, but definitely 60 because Everton were pretty woeful and it was an alarming wake-up call to think that this this side is capable of having some bad, bad nights at the office. Mm. Last night's beauty was that they were only playing a League 2 opposition who couldn't quite punish them or couldn't quite finish them off during that first half. Um, if that was against the Premier League side, they'd have been four or five hundred down half time. There's no doubt on that. Maybe even a good Championship side would yeah. put them took them to the cleaners. So yeah, it was an, a, a nice and mixed emotions. I think because yeah, while you were quietly positive what you saw from Beto and, and, and Danjuma, what we witnessed from so many senior, what we would call senior players during that first half, was um, nothing short of yeah alarming. Yeah, I, I I agree with you, and I I think they sort of like even each other out in a way. Maybe. Yeah. maybe I don't know. I'm, I'm not sure anyone could even out those first 60 minutes, to be honest. But, you know, there were positives coming away from it. So I tend to be in agreement with you there. I um, think the, the big positive is Everton have signed the centre forward who's come in, yes. looks a real handful, and scored a goal. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you know, yeah. you know three, three things that haven't we haven't seen much of yeah, in the last couple of it's years. It's not been so straightforward for us to do that. Yeah. That is, has it? But I suppose the, the other question I was going to ask you, and we'll, we'll get this, we'll get the negative part of this chat out of the way now, because um, you mentioned the first hour there. Um, is that the worst you've ever seen Everton play? Up, right up there, yeah. Because it was it was a situation where I was, I was sort of watching it, and obviously they don't start well. You know, in your your snap piece you did for the game, you know, you mentioned like the first minute and how that sort of set the tone, and it was very calamity, uh, very calamitous. Um, bit of moments from Michael Keenan and Jordan Pickford, and you think, oh, God, that's not good. And then you get get to ten minutes, think, right, now it will start to mm. show, and then you get to twenty, and you think, right. 
what's happening here? And then you get to 30, and then you get to 40, <laughs> yeah. and then you can see that it's like, and like I, was, I was sort of watching it myself and, you know, I had people message me about it and I was like, I was texting my mates, I was like, is this, is this, this bad? Like, is, is this, is this the worst we've ever been? And I don't mean in terms of like an, an effort point of view, but just from technical aspects in terms of trapping the ball, completing passes, having a bit of style of play, you know, movement, um, all those things. And like, it, it got to the point where it was so bad that, you know, when you get people who like, don't really watch football and Everton are on the telly and they've seen them and like, they text you and you're like, what, what's going on with that? What's yeah. going on with that? It's like, I had two or three, three people being like, well, I'm really sorry about what's, what's going yeah. on here. But that, that first hour, I think, is, is right up there with one of the worst I've, I've ever seen from an Everton side. Yeah, I, I have to agree with that. Also, based as well on the fact that the players that were out on, on show, yeah. this wasn't a kind of thrown-together team of a few youngsters, a few ex, few kinds of senior pros, you know, a couple of players working their way back into, back into fitness. That was It was essentially a full-strength team from Everton, and, mm. and one that, you know, there's a strong possibility could have lined up in a Premier League game for them. Mm. Maybe maybe Barjard Brown, Quentin, uh, James Sarkozy coming to centre-back. Yeah. Apart from that, there's every chance you could have seen them players line up for a, a Premier League game. So that's what made it more worrying. And I think there's a lot of players who had the chance to stake a claim um, to Sean Dyche, and they didn't. You know, Vitaly Mikalenko and Jordan, what can only be described as a torrid evening. Hmm. Nathan Patterson was also torrid. Um, so much so that he was obviously hauled off at half time. Mm. I mean, Sean Dyche said after Villa didn't they couldn't took any one of any one of eleven <laughs> off. I think if we're being honest, he could have took any one of 11 off yeah. <laughs> last night as well because it, it was that poor. Um, it was just, for me, like I say, it just that, that pick for moments in the, the first minute sums up for me in the sense of like, sometimes it's about standards and mentality yeah. and doing the right things at the right time and that to me just felt like almost like an overconfidence of like, well, it's League 2, League Cup, you know, mm. I'll take a couple of extra touches and, and, and you know, he was nearly embarrassed. For he's, me. Our, he's our best player. And he's our <laughs> best player. And captain, yeah. He was yeah. captain again last night. And, you know, you think, well, if he's doing that, what message does that then send to the rest of the team? I know, I, I mean, I, I wrote that, you know, last night that Everton kind of got away with it in the end and they, they did turn the tie around. But, yeah, it was a pretty strange night. And one, I think, in which you, you look back on and think, Hopefully to turn and put now for all the right reasons in the sense of Sean Dyche. There's probably a good chance we might not see some of them players play for Sean Dyche again. Yeah. yeah, certainly in the immediate. You know, but this could be the start now of things changing a little bit. But yeah, something's got to change. It's got to change fast because Everton can't start games like that. You know, we've seen it at Villa Park. Mm. They just can't. They can't start with that like kind of lay back, lay safe approach because, you know, it nearly come back to bite last night. They did come back to bite at Villa because they were two 0 down before I think mm. they even got going. Um but yeah it was a it was a strange old night. One which, you know, yeah, relief that Everton won, but also at the same time left you with a lot of questions more than answers. Yeah, hundred percent. And you know, I, I've been disappointed in players like, you know, James Garner and Amadou and Arnie, you know, obviously young players, but even like a game like that, it's like, right, you, you've not got, you know, I think um, an artist called Idris Gay, like sort of his big brother figure in the past. Mm. You know, you've not got him there. Now, no, show us what you're all about. Get on get on the ball and, and dominate against the team that you should be able to. And listen, I, I appreciate the tactics weren't really conducive with... Where's with the tactics? Getting midfielders on the... <laughs> yeah, well, maybe not. The, the tactics. Uh, I did that in very commas then for anyone listening to, to the podcast. Um, but it's one of them where you think, you know, come on, lads, you know, you, you're technically good. Get on the on the on the football and show what you're all about. And the ball was either 
being you know bouncing off the midfield and they'd lose it cheaply or it was just getting launched over the red by by the full backs and, and the centre backs but listen you won't dwell on that any longer because thinking about some of the moments in the, the first half is, well, they mean, couldn't get out could they I mean, just, no. uh, the back four couldn't get up the pitch they were just penned back yeah. there was massive gaps then because I think some of the midfielders didn't know where to drop in and sit mm. deep but then obviously that meant there was massive space between Schmetti and, and probably the midfield mm. three then all of a sudden Andrew got isolated they couldn't get the ball to him yeah. Dobbin looked like a lost soul out, yeah, out on the right yeah. and then basically spent you know probably a good 40 minutes at the half basically tracking back and defending because Nathan Patterson was getting torn to shreds so in that sense it was just kind of like they was just very it looked frail and it looked like they had a lot of vulnerabilities and Doncaster kind of opened up them vulnerabilities for us to see yeah it was bad it was bad uh, the first hour was bad uh, the last half an hour was much better um, thanks to Beto yes um, obviously came on at half time I think it was obviously going to happen wasn't it when the team was so bad in the, that first half and to be honest like when he missed that chance of his left foot I thought oh no mm-hmm. you know that, like, that, that was the point where I sort of thought it's not going to be our night and, and credit to him he, you know, he kept at it didn't he and you know the, the goal he scores is, is really really good isn't it you know it's, uh, I think it just sort of showed you know when you watch all the YouTube videos of him before he came to us and you sort of like get an image in your head of what sort of player he's going to be it was very much that type of goal wasn't it you know using his pace holds off the defender and, and, and knocks it past him and just um, just the, the only way to sort of I think to describe it's just a handful one you know I don't think he's going yeah. to be technically adept and pin defenders take a defeat and, and do little layoffs but you know if you're knocking into the channel or knocking him behind he's, he's going to be really hard to stop he is and I think that was the big takeaway from last night was he looked very much like a proper number nine mm. Um, you know, he looked like he was, he had the ability to, to lead the line and, and be a target man and be a focal point. You, you contrast that to what Yusuf Shemeti offers in the first 45 minutes. And, and, I, and I wrote this last night, well, in the analysis for this morning, um, that wasn't all his fault. And I think it'd be wrong for us to make a judgment off, off on him based off them 45 yeah. minutes. Well, the ball sailed over his head, But what it did show is that Sean Dyche was right what he said a couple of weeks ago in that he is a long way from developing hmm. um, from being a developed person, a person to lead the line he's still got a long way to go in terms of that, that progression up the ladder what we saw last night from Beto I think is more of the finished article which Everton look they needed to bring in the finished article they couldn't they couldn't just keep bringing in you know young kids who were unproven untested but it, it was just impressive I thought he dealt, the, the moment for me that really summed him up I, I took great kind of heart from was the heads that hit the post yeah. When he got up and he, he put real direction, he was really unlucky with that. But like, it comes out of nowhere that just a, a, a ball to the box and he's shrugged off his man, rose high and, and directs a powerful header towards goal. And I thought, wow, you know, that was that was quite impressive, you know what I mean? And he didn't get obviously no reward for it, but I thought, well, that's quite a good kind of a good aspect to see because you suspect that Everton are going to look to pump balls into the box. Um, to him uh, as, the, as we move forward in terms of a tactic of how to get him in the game because I don't think Sean Dyche will want Beto playing with his back to goal 20-25 yards up the pitch because yeah, you know, yeah. we're not going to score a goal are we that way so that was a real positive thing for me but yeah I think just his overall impact and I think how he kind of embraced being the number nine as well he didn't shake he didn't you know even when he missed that that chance he didn't you know mm. he was in his head drop he, he you know a couple of minutes later he got himself in the perfect position improvised a really neat finish Um Okay, I know people point and say, well, they're bottom of League Two. You know, this has meant to be an international mm. centre forward. Shouldn't he be scoring goals? And, and that is correct, of course. But we've seen before, just because of the opposition doesn't mean that Everton's forwards have got to score goals, does it? So yeah. for me, I thought it was just a really positive kind of mood lift, I think, for everyone. And 
it gives people hope now. I think that he could actually come in and have an impact because I think, you know, obviously he was the forward that people have long been craving for. But there's like we've seen before, there's never no guarantee is that someone coming in from a different league is going to immediately hit sure. the ground running and adapt to the pace of the game and stuff because the Premier League and English football is so different to what the rest of the rest of Europe serves up. So that was a real positive means that he coped with the physicality. You know, he, he can clearly get put himself about and he's not scared to, you know, to, to get in behind. And, and it's his turn of pace as well. It's shocking. Yeah, it's really fast. He has a really strong yeah. turn of pace and that, that struck me because you don't necessarily associate a, a good turn of pace with a big... Big mm. number nines of you, so that was a real positive for me, and hopefully, you know that that's the sign of things to come up. We saw on, uh, on Wednesday nights. You can see like where they've obviously gone and thought, right? If we need to get someone who can do similar things to, to Carvalho, mm. and they are, they are different players, but you know we've spoken about it loads in terms of that dual threat of being a big, strong boy. You can like win others and do that side of the game and bully defenders, but also chase balls in behind the channel. You know, there's not many forwards that can do that, but he, he looks like he's got both of those attributes. And and this is just another just thing that came into me. I like watching him last night and seeing him celebrating with the fans at the end as well. And they're completely different players, but like his demeanour and like the way he celebrates, like his one fist up in the air, like his baggy shirt, his, his baggy shorts. Like he, yeah, they need to give him a shirt that fits. Yeah, I suppose I suppose that the first day when he come on at half time, they need to, it's not the nineteen eighties where it's like you know Yeah, just sort of figure like he's reminded me like of Duncan for some reason. Yeah. Like obviously he's completely different players. It's obviously he's played thirty minutes, sorry, forty five minutes against the worst team in, in the football league. Just like just like his demeanour, like and the way in which he carried himself afterwards, like he just sort of gave off that kind of aura. Um and I think, you know, you saw the fans chatting his name already. He's spoken today, hasn't he? And he he's absolutely loved all that and listen, dead early. Um and we don't want to compare him to Carver Lewin or or Doug Ferguson yet by any means. But he just he's just got the the aura um and the body language of and you know and the playing style of a of a fellow that's going to be really taken to by the Everton fans. I think the big thing for me is that when you look at the fours they've signed over the last couple of years, he instantly looks more at home than they ever did do yeah. at this at this point or, or this you know in the early stages. You think I'm Moise Keane, for instance, you could tell he was you know these are so much work doing to him in his first you know, couple of appearances that mm. he was very much a work in progress. Neil Mope, you kind of wonder how he was going to fit in and, and, and how he was going to kind of score a goal for Everton because the, the system just didn't seem the way Frank Lampard wants to play didn't seem to fit the way he yeah. naturally plays. You think of Solomon Rondon, he looked a million miles off the pace in terms of fitness-wise. So for Beto to come in and kind of look more natural, look more at home, I think was a, a real boost because obviously like we all know how tough it is for Everton to replace Dominic Carvalho. Because I've said this before on the pod, one of the major problems that Everton have always had is when Calvert-Lewin is fit and firing, there's not many better centre-forwards yeah. than him at what he does. So to try and bring someone in to replace that lad when he's not available is no easy task, especially when you're working in the, the financial constraints that Everton are. And maybe that's why we shouldn't sort of underplay the value of just the goal. Because, you know, all the all the players you mentioned there, you know, Rondon, it went, did he go until November? He's got a Palace, that was his first yeah. goal, wasn't it? Keane, obviously, I think, went into January in that 2-2 game. Uh, Mopey scored one relatively early on. West Ham, September then. He's now on like a, what, 30 game run or something right. like that without scoring. You know, we brought in so many of these lads who have just, you know, been so bad in front of goal. For him to sort of come on straight away and just break that door and be like, that's done now. You know, I've, I've, scored, I've scored a goal at least. Yeah. You know, I've shown what I can do from that point of view. That That has got to be important. And it's, you know, I think you saw in him the relief and he sort of looked a bit, you know, a little bit angry after missing that chance, I thought. And then obviously he got the ball up the net after he scored. So he's like, come on, like, let's sort of go. Um, but breaking the duck and just getting off your, the mark early for, for your new club, I think so important, especially when we've been so bad. 
um, going forward down the years. Um, but we'll leave Doncaster for now, mate. We'll talk about Villa away, going back there again. Um, another, another time, because there's loads coming up. Um, deadline day tomorrow, as we said, you went to speak to Sean Dice today. I'm asking about all sorts of different things. Uh, we might be bringing somebody in, but at the moment, the big stories look to be players going out. And Damari Gray is sort of simmered, simmered along all summer. We'll have to wait and see what happens there. But um, They've got more time in him as well. Yeah, of course. Out, if, yeah. He, if he's going um, to Saudi. I mean, listen, we haven't seen him, have we? So I think yeah. it looks like he's going to be going out the door. Um, but the one, that's, the one, the two deals that have sort of gathered momentum and, and speculations intensified over the course of the last 48 hours are Tom Cannon and Alex Iwobi as well. Um, reports doing the rounds today that Fulham are uh, in talks with him. Looks like a deal might happen for fees that have been reported to be in the region of 15 to, to 20 million pounds. Um, Dice himself said today that the things might be going on with, with Iwobi and Cannon. Taking Iwobi first, um, just... It, it's one of those deals, isn't it? One of these he, throughout his Everton career, he has been somebody who split opinion so wildly. Like, no, I don't think no anyone, one's a bad opinion quite like yeah, him, do I, I don't think anyone just thinks Alex Wobey's just all right. He's either like amazing or he's yeah. horrendous. Like, there's no, there's no middle ground yeah. with him. And unsurprisingly, this transfer has made people think this is an amazing <laughs> deal or this is a horrendous <laughs> deal. Um, and you're, you're gonna, where, where do you, where do you sit on this one? You're, you're going to be sensible, I think, aren't you? Can't it's a good door. deal for Everton. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good deal. I think the big the big thing, I mean, it is to my understanding as well that Fulham and Everton are in a fan yeah. talks over over a deal. Uh, it does very much look like Hawks will be leave before the barring any major kind of maybe not so much hiccups, but you know, barring any kind of you know an ability to to, to to agree a deal that will probably leave Everton. And I think it's a good deal because I think, you know, I know twenty million's been been suggested. It might not I don't think it might not get to that level initially, it might yeah. be add ons and stuff like that. But I think the big thing is he's out of contract next summer. And Everton at some point had to start recouping fees for players mm. because you can't just keep letting players go every year, every year for free, for free, yeah. for free. At some point, you've got to bite the bullet and say, well, actually, you've got one year left. We're cashing on, you know, you, you, you're going. Um, unfortunately for Alex Wobie, that's what's happened. But I do think Alex Wobie's maybe driven this transfer himself as well. Yeah. I don't think he's necessarily, you know, come out and committed his undivine love for, for Everton wanting to stay around obviously he's London based initially from his time at Arsenal and I think the thing that I've always got interested with me is when Frank Lampard was in charge it was very much like we're opening a contract talks with him mm. we want him to extend his stay Sean Dice then kind of come in and contradict himself at times in the sense of like he half confirmed that cut talks but while we were still ongoing but while saying at the same time that like, all talks about contracts and <laughs> transfers have been parked until the end of the yes. season because yeah. we want to focus on staying up Um it appears to me that there's probably been no breakthrough in what Alex Wobie maybe wants to stay at Everton mm. or whatever they're prepared to give him. I also think as well Everton have probably realised that what they get from is probably going to be a good deal. Mm. And at a time when they need to start recouping money and finances in to, to get, you know, to start remodelling themselves in a way, this is one of the best deals that they could get because they've not got many assets in the squads. I mean, we spoke about this at length. I thought, me, unfortunately, the, be the better players are the ones, other players that you want Evan to keep are the assets. And sure. you know, no one really wants to see Jordan Pickford leave this summer or Jared Brownfoy, for instance, because we've seen how good he was at the weekend. So for me, I think it's a good deal for Everton. I think if they can get money in, hopefully it gets done, I think, a little bit either tonight or first thing tomorrow, so it gives Everton 
you know, 10 or 12 hours to try and bring someone else in. Mm. Um, they are interested in Maxwell Corney uh, at West Ham. Obviously, Sean Dyche worked, worked with him at Burnley, brought him to Burnley. I think they'll be looking to take him on loan more than more than to buy. Because um, I think there's concerns around Corney's fitness as well because yeah. he's been in out in, with injuries. But you suspect that, you know, in a, in a straight trade, essentially, Corney coming in for a Wobie, one coming in on loan, and you're getting 15 million, maybe 12, 15, 20 million down the line for, for another player. That's probably a good piece of business from Everton from where they are right now. And it'll be strange to see how we'll be go because <clears throat> although he's devised opinion, you can't deny he's been a big part of some of Everton's oh, better right. moments. Certainly in yeah. recent years, you know, you think of like the Palace game under Frank Lampard when he ends up at right back and, you know, he's, he plays all over the pitch and he gives us all. And, you know, he was very much kind of at the forefront of getting people, getting the team over the line. Um, Newcastle goal the Newcastle yeah. goal which felt like a real turning point actually yeah. for him in, in, his, in his Everton career that actually you know even last season he was probably out the shining light at times when, when Everton pretty tired I mean just because he's done the basics and he ran rounds and got stuck in but when you don't see players doing that every week when they do when ones do do it it stands out so I think it'll be, it'll be sad to see him go I think he's been a, a good stalwart for the club certainly in the last 18 months you know he's he's, he's worked hard got his head down um, but I just think for the money on offer and the, the type of transfer that this is, is one that Kevin Fellow and Everton can't say no to. Yeah, especially yeah. with the fact that they lose if they keep him, they lose him the, the chance he goes for free next summer anyway. So yeah. you've got to get, you've, like I say, yeah, you've got to start recouping transfer fees for people who are in the final year of the contract. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And like I sort of feel like he'll go to Fulham and do well, and like there might be a spell where like he's playing well for them and everyone's going, oh. Why do we sell him? Well, people don't think we should, they should be selling well, him now. Yeah, so. exactly. But like I sort of, I sort of look at him now and. I think if you go back, we rewind to like this time last year when he's playing centre mid um, under Lampard and Everton started the season like, all right. He was, you know, there's talk about him being one of the, the best players in the league, wasn't it, at that point? And I think yeah. if we're having this conversation then, we're like, oh God, no, we can't sell him. You know, get him, get him tied down to, to a new deal. I'm sure we, we were say, saying those things, but I think Dice, since Dice has come in, he's played the right wing as he like you say pretty much all all of last he's season he's been right winger as he basically yeah, he's been right winger he started playing left wing in, in the opening two games this season didn't he because we've had you know we've got no wide <laughs> players square pegs and round holes um, but it just feels like there's no there's no natural place for him in, in a Sean Dice team um, really so I can you know I, I kind of get the decision but in the same breath there'll be people out there and I've seen people today putting all the stats up about how he's our most creative player um, almost energetic player. Um, crucially, you know, apart from this little space he's got now, doesn't really get injured. Plays pretty much every game um, when he's available. Plays ninety minutes in most matches as well. Um, do you think he's going to be tough to replace for, from that perspective? Because I think he's already been replaced. Yeah, by who? I think by the fact that look at Sean Dyche's silence two of them are being wingers hmm. well three essentially and Ashley yeah. Young which enables him to play Dwight McNeil and he sees him as a wide player doesn't he as opposed yeah. to a centre midfield well, he's never played him in midfield has he no. ne- and that's never really been a Sean yeah. Dyche's thinking so I think the big telling point for me from all this was when you look at Everton Simons you know Ashley Young who can play on the left left back left wing Jack Harrison who can play on an either flank if, yeah. if needed and Dan Juma can play wide left Dwight McNeil can obviously is obviously you know become one of Dyche's best most you know, proven, mm. consistent players. So I think the writing, in some respects, has been on the wall for this one a little bit. Um, just because why would Everton be bringing in so many wide players if Sean Dyche was content with what Alex Warby offered them, wants to give him a new deal. So I think, you know, once we get past the international break, hopefully like Jack Harrison, you know, Dwight McNeil will be back available. And all of a sudden, then that gives Dyche, Sean Dyche real options because mm. he could, you know, line up with Jack Harrison on one wing, Dwight McNeil on the other, and possibly Dan Juma in behind. Beto. 
or Calvert-Lewin. So, you know, there's real options and you don't really see how we'll be fitting into that picture do you? because he's not going to go and play in central midfield. He's not going to go and, you know, be a, a forward player. So I think the, the writing on the, has been on the wall for this one yeah. for a while, just by the by Everton's transfer activity this summer. Because if Dyche was, look, when you think about transfers and Dyche said to himself, hasn't he? Everton have had to be basically really savvy in what they do and prioritise certain areas essentially and target areas, but say really the fact the fact Dyche brought in three wide players tells the story of what he thinks about wide players, yeah. doesn't he? Yeah. With, without, with, without the exception of Frank McNeil, who he clearly thinks very much, very highly of. We might get one more in still. <laughs> you know, of course, so well, that's when Maxwell yeah. Cornell could yeah. end up coming in, so then he's another option. Um, so yeah, I think, you know, the fact you're bringing so many wide players in, hints, doesn't it, that maybe all was not what it seems, the yeah. scenes. And in terms of deadline day, just probably have a chat about Sheffield United. Um, it's... It's one of them, isn't it? Anything could happen, I suppose, from, from Everton's perspective. Still little links here and there that are emerging. Is, is there a position or an area of the team you think you'd like to see Everton sort of just go out and, and strengthen? I say to get 20 million for it, it will be through tonight and they've got a bit of room to manoeuvre tomorrow because, you know, you wrote in, in your piece, last, in your analysis this morning, rather, um, and I completely agree that all of a sudden you look at both of those full box spots and thinking, that... That is a, a bit of an issue because I think Mikalenko had a good chance to stake a claim uh, to start to the weekend that he'd played well because I think Ashley Young's had a pretty poor start to the season. Yeah. But I don't, a lot of goals have come virus that side, haven't yeah, they? Yeah, being honest. But I don't think, I mean, being honest, I think Mikalenko was, was really poor last night. Um, Patterson, I don't think, had a good start to the season. Um, I saw a look at that. And, you know, it, I think we spoke about that in the week. It's like, it, it's one of those, isn't it, where like, all of a sudden all these things are creeping up on us. Like, yeah. oh, we're, we're quite light there and we're quite light there and I wouldn't mind a player there. But, you know, I think fullback, you know, if we could just get someone who's dependable, who can play sort of both sides between now and 11 o'clock tomorrow night, I think I'd feel a lot better. And maybe a centre-back and a midfielder as well. But, uh... <laughs> that def- definitely left-back for me. I-, I just think watching last night made me think like Everton have got two left-backs that aren't good enough, mm. if, I- if I'm being honest. Uh, Mikkel- I've never been too... One of them's not really a left-back, is it? Actually, no, and, and that, that yeah. feels harsh to, to, yeah. to have a go at Young because... I thought actually last night he looked better fair up the pitch. Yeah, definitely. he actually looked better as a, as a left winger. Um, but Mikalenko for me just he just just sunk the gaff out, didn't he? To, mm. to, to use a phrase that the people on the Gladys Street probably <laughs> use, um, he was just awful. Like you know, if if that was him trying to impress Sean Dyche, then he had probably done the complete opposite. Well, he got in the Carabao Cup um, round two team of the team of the round. Did he? Yeah. So well, the, apparently the stats that he did really well. Good lord! <laughs> I would, I would like to see yeah. them stats. Hey, well, his first game back, well, you know, being generous, but I know, I know what you mean. I, I um, think the problem with Mikalenko is there's still lasting memories of last season when yes. he struggles. Yeah, and I think you saw then Dyche protect, wasn't perhaps too keen on him, mm. um, but he didn't really have the competition. Then did he? Didn't really have it. You know, it was Ruben Van Agra who was not fancied by Frank Lampard <laughs> or Sean Dyche. Um, so yeah, I, th- I think it's. With McClellanco and left back, it, it's quite an interesting one because it's probably one way to start. So we thought, well, we're just gonna have to gamble. We've got other, we've got other bigger priorities that we need to we need to go after. Mm. But now all of a sudden, a few games this season, going on, this is actually a problem. It's for Everton, like, and it's probably going to become faster, bigger problem when teams start realizing that they're not very strong down yeah. the left. And you could end up, I think, in a position where certainly when Everton start playing the better teams, you'll see Ashley Young playing left midfield mm. and McClellanco playing at left back, and it'll basically plays two. Left backs basically, or defensive, you know, defensively. Seems what we used to see when David Boys replaced <laughs> Seamus Coleman in front of Phil Neville yeah, when when Gareth yeah. Bale is rock up at Tottenham to 
just to shore things up because they do look vulnerable down down, down the left and, and again down the right. I mean, it's quite sad, isn't it? I mean, I love Seamus Coleman. I think he's been an unbelievable servant to this football club, but it's still quite concerning that people actually talk about when Seamus Coleman's going to be back fit. Yeah. Because it still just feels like there's mad pressure on him, like him to get back fit and like... Oh, Serious injury as well. Like, yeah. So. You know, I don't know whether... Well, I, I suspect we might see James Garner right back on Saturday. Yeah, um, I thought he'd be looking more balanced with him at him at right back last night when he went there uh, for the, well, the sort of first half of the second half. So obviously the injury to Michalenko prompted Godfrey to go there and and, and a reshuffle. But yeah, I, I think Garner will probably play right back, and I think Garner could end up being right back moving mm. forwards. Uh, I mean, it's going to be tough, isn't it? Because we've got one game in a, a two-week break essentially. So by the time. Everton back in action on the 17th. Who knows how the, the squad will look like, you know. Everton could have Drake McNeil, Dominic Calvert-Lewin and Jack Harrison all back fit. So yeah. there'll obviously be more options. But yeah, I think if, if if I was to be able to go and get one person, one player for a position, it'd definitely be a left-back. and Or ideally someone who could play left-back or right-back. You look like Timothy Castro, yeah, who, who, who yeah. went to Fulham, is yeah. it, is from Leicester. And you're thinking... Could he have not come in and done a job? And Someone like a Walker Peters. You would just be, you know, a bit yeah. of flexible both sides. But yeah, the, the left is a, certainly a worry, I think, moving, moving forwards. And like I say, I just think Mikalenko doesn't feel like he's quite developed, maybe the way people thought he was going to with the club. Yeah, let's move on to Saturday then. Um, you said that you think Garner might start a, a right back. Um, with that in mind, how do you think the, the rest of the team could take shape because I think obviously the keepers sorted feels like the centre backs are sorted but if we just play Brownfoot and Tarkovsky then I mean I've, I mean I don't even want to talk go back into <laughs> Doncaster but I mean the centre backs were not good were they no um, they did also if ben, ben Godfrey also follows in the footsteps of Michael yeah. last night and didn't didn't send the perfect message to his manager <laughs> yeah. of why he should be given a chance yeah. moving forwards but I think young so you can young will be left back you'd imagine Garnet right back possibly yeah and then I think from from there, it's sort of like you've got Danjima off your left, haven't you? The three in the middle of Anana, Decore, and Idrissi Gay. They pretty much picked themselves, don't they? Really better up front. Why well, right's the big issue, isn't it? And then, and then I don't, th- I don't think there's any way whatsoever he plays Dobbin there after no. the way in which he played in midweek. He said today that McNeil could be involved, but I'd, I'd, it feels like it'd be bench at best for him and and Carver Lewin, who are both. Um, you know, again, he sort of said they might be ready, but it feels like they're going to be more likely after the international mm. break. So there's a big gap in the team there. I sort of, you know, I I, I like the idea of, of Garner going to right back because I think he's, he's he's done well there in the past. I think he settled us down a little bit there last night when he went there. And let's be honest, Patterson's had a pretty rotten start to, to the season, but I feel like he might have to just play forward because there's nobody else well, to play. Well, Patterson, play right Patterson back. might benefit because of the holes in the squad, might he, essentially? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, really, not, not on form. Just if because Garner's at right yeah. back, there's, there's nobody to play right midfield. No. Um, unless, you, unless you do something really funky with, with, with the team set up or you, you go to a back five or something mad like that. Um, but then it feels like with that in mind, he, the manager is a little bit hamstrung already. Yeah. I think this is one that maybe feels like Evans just needs to get in there, try and get something and get away and then look to start and prop. I mean, I know we, can't, we shouldn't really say that because they've tossed away, well, three games, but four games it would have been by, by Saturday night. Um, but yeah, it, 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 it doesn't feel much confidence again of like you get a few knocks. Mm. Everton could potentially be be off of very little. Um, so I just think Patterson probably gets a stay of execution based mm. on the fact that there's no one to go and play 
right midfield yeah. if, if Garner has to go right back. Um, yeah, I, I don't think we'll see Dobbin uh, start. I thought he struggled on Saturday, but offered flash of promise. But last night, I think he, he just really just couldn't get in the game. And the, the one moment that sums up for me was where he got the, he, the ball broke to him and it looked like he could set Everton away on a, on a counter-attack oh, where they had a, a massive yeah. kind of overlap and he completely made the, the wrong decision, cut back inside. And by the time he passed, it got intercepted and they nearly scored. Yeah. I think they all that many ratings. Like, like, he had one chance and, <laughs> and it, to get Everton away on the counter and it nearly resulted in his... His own side conceding, <laughs> which you know is very evident. But yeah, I, I don't think we'll see Dobbin. I think it's going to be a tough game as well. These are going to be right mm. up for it because the, these will look at Everton and think smell blood a little bit and think, you know, we can, if we get at these, we'll get our first win of the season. They had a good go against City, didn't they, last weekend yeah. as well? Obviously, they're at home, you know, it's a bit of a fortress, Bramwell Lane, in terms of the atmosphere and stuff mm. like that. So it's going to be a tough game for Everton, but I just maybe think that I don't think he should because I think he deserves, he should be taken out the final line a little bit. Ethan Patterson, but I think there's every chance he's going to start because of the lack of options available to Sean Dyche, unless Dwight McNeil somehow Dyche has played an absolute blind as today and making us all think he's not quite ready when he, he is ready and he's going to unleash him. Um, and he might do because he might look at it and say, well, it's one game and then we've got two weeks off, mm. so he's got time to relax mm. and, 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 re, and, use, and rehab. So I think it's going to be interesting, but I think as things stand, what we probably suspect is that Patterson will play it right back and, and Garner will play it right midfield. Let's think I'm signing on to tomorrow morning, you know, just get him in the Very team. Very possibly, yeah. Or Corne, <laughs> or, you know, yeah. Demari Gray makes a return. Yeah, yeah. God. I mean, there's options, just, you yeah, know. Yeah, it's not here. Yeah, it's not here. Barry asks for a prediction. I just think it's going to go. It's, it feels like it's not going to be a... I think people tune in at half twelve. For the neutral, it's going to be a tough yeah, watch. I think people tune in at half twelve on the soft. <laughs> for Everton supporters, it could be a tough watch as well. I'm, I'm going to regret mind, it, mind um, you. But I think for any neutral football fan out there, this could be a, not not one of the classics. Yeah, um, <laughs> um, I, I'm going to go two one Everton. Two goals again. Four yeah. goals in a week. Wow. Um, I, I think better gives us a sniff. Just if he's off sort of difference, I, I don't think their defence is particularly good. Um, so I'm going to go I'll go one all go one all maybe interesting what they just quickly what they do because they very much done a Ben Godfrey Erlen Haaland last week on Erlen Haaland in terms of they kind of man marked him and, and got stuck yeah. in and made him and you wonder whether they'll maybe adopt that approach if Beto does get enough to start you think Beto's as good as Haaland already no no <laughs> <laughs> you put words in my mouth have you <laughs> uh, but no, no just like if they'll try and maybe rough him up a little bit and give him a bit of an introduction to English football you know yeah. and get stuck in because obviously it will be his first introduction to Premier League football and you know he's told the Premier League he's ready to, to play this division so now he's got to you know do, do, let's talk and do the you know Turn his words into action. There you go. One one goal in forty five minutes. That is a better ratio than Haaland, to be fair. So it is, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, no pressure, better. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's been compared to Duncan, Carvalho, and Haaland already in this he, podcast. Soon, soon as he, we start putting him in the same bracket as Dixie, yeah, can he break his record? Yeah, we'll, yeah, we'll get the pieces ready for Monday morning uh, after he bags his hat trick. But uh, Conviction's going to win. I think it's going to be a draw. Let us know what you reckon in the comments. Uh, let us know what you think about the team as well. And how Everton are going to line up. Um, who do you go with a fullback? Who do you go with on the right of midfield? They seem to be the biggest talking points. Uh, we'll be all over deadline day as well tomorrow here at the Liverpool Echo. Do check out the website. Do check out Twitter. Uh, I'm sure we did a few little bits here and there on YouTube as well throughout the course of the day. 
going over ins and outs at Goodison Park. But that is the end of today's podcast. Cheers to the comment for joining me. We'll speak to you again very soon. You've been listening to the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. 